I wanted to know this morning, where are my details people this morning? Where are the details people? Is it only a couple of details people? Where are the broad brush strokers? You know, the, the, we cover a lot of ground. We might not do it well, but we cover a lot of ground. I, I'm definitely a broad brush strokes kind of person. Um, anyone who's involved in any way with me in church life would know that, that I'm not great with the details. I'm more the, the broad brush strokes. Um, I remember an experience that potentially highlighted this to me in Taiwan when my sister visited, and uh, my sister at the time was a vegetarian, and I thought it would be really sad for her to miss out on all these delicious delicacies because she's a vegetarian. So I thought, we're going to find her a delicious, authentic Taiwanese meal that she can have that's vegetarian. Fortunately, there was a lot of good vegetarian food in Taiwan, and we're at this restaurant, and I glanced over the menu, and I saw mapo tofu, and I thought, perfect. This is the ideal. It's a classic traditional dish. She's going to love it. And it comes out. It's this spicy tofu soup. And as she's eating it, kind of halfway in, she's like, what's this stuff? And I was like, oh, I'm not really sure. And she's like, what's this stuff? And I'm like, oh, I don't know. And she put some on my plate and I tried it. And I realized that it was pig's blood and pork. (laughs) And I instantly became the worst brother in the world, (laughs) as my vegetarian sister had treated her to pork and pig's blood, and (laughs) the poor thing. I just thought, like, if you're going to put, you you know, you replace meat with tofu. Like, who adds meat to tofu? If you've got meat, get rid of the tofu, right? (laughs) Like, that's, but anyway, from that point on, I I became a lot more, I guess, cautious looking at the details of what my sister was eating. It was like every time we'd order something, I'd check three or four times, is this vegetarian, is this vegetarian? Just checking, is it vegetarian, i.e. there's no pig's blood, pork kind of stuff in it. (laughs) I'm, I'm sure we've kind of all had an experience where maybe it left us wishing that we'd paid more attention to the to the fine print. Have you ever had an experience like that? Maybe you bought something and then it wasn't what you realized it was, or maybe you tried to return something, but there was a clause in the returns policy that meant you couldn't return it because it's been 31 days and you were only allowed to return it in 30 days' time. Has anyone had an experience like that? It it can really make us feel quite cautious, right, to to make sure that we're um, paying attention to all the finer details, making sure we haven't missed anything that's hidden in the fine print. I think in some ways, when it comes to sharing our faith, this cautiousness can actually have a little bit of an impact on us. When when it comes to sharing the good news, it's good news, but if I'm honest, sometimes I can feel nervous talking about my faith to other people. Has anyone else here felt nervous when it's come to sharing your faith or inviting something to someone? Has anyone else felt nervous? If you haven't felt nervous, it's either because you haven't done it or because you're just the king of all extroverts and you don't feel nervous about anything. It can be quite an intimidating thing. And some of the biggest barriers to sharing our faith are fear of rejection and feeling like we're not confident enough. And I think they go hand in hand. It's driven by this feeling of, I just don't know enough to be able to share it. I'm just, I'm afraid of what someone might ask me, and I'm I'm afraid that I might not have the right answers. It's kind of like the Bible is a big book, 
and I'm not sure of the fine print. I'm not sure of all the details. Like, I've heard some stuff about Jesus. He seems pretty good. But what if someone's able to find something in the fine print that might make me look like a fool? It's called the good news, but is it really? You know, there's this feeling of if I just knew more, then I would feel more confident. I want to encourage us today, and I've called the message, it's really good news. Turn the person beside you and say, it's really good news. And what I mean by that is, it's really good news. And I also mean, it's really good news. And I also mean, it's really good news, okay? Turn the person beside you again and say, it's really good news. And I want to give us some confidence that this Christmas season is actually founded in good news. I'm going to look at Luke 2, uh, and this is kind of the... It starts off with we see Mary and Joseph traveling to Bethlehem. They give birth to baby Jesus. And then in verse 8, it says, There were some shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone down around them, and they were terrified. Can I, just, I love that the Bible is real about stuff like this. It's not like the, the glory shone down and they all had reverent faith and lifted their hands. It's like, no, they, they were freaked out when, when the angel showed up. And it said, but the angel said to them, sensibly, do not be afraid. And then it says, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah the Lord, this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And it ends off with the, the shepherd saying, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that the angels have told us about. The key thought that I want to pull out today is that good news that will cause great joy for all people. Turn the person beside you and say, all people. We're getting super interactive this morning. All People, good news that will bring great joy for all people. Not just great joy for Christians, not just great joy for some people, great joy for all people. Can I be honest? There's been times I have been looked at people, I've looked at people's lives and thought, it seems like they're doing pretty good without Jesus. It can be tempting to look at other people's lives and on a surface level think, they seem to have it all together. But can I encourage you? The gospel is not just for people who aren't doing well or don't appear to be doing well. The gospel is good news that brings great joy to all people, whether they're sick or whether they're healthy, whether they're poor or whether they're rich, whether they've got it all together or they seem like they've got it all together or they're obviously broken. The good news will bring great joy to all people. Can I encourage you? There's people in your life who seem like they've got it all together who need the great joy that comes with hearing the good news. It's great, good news that brings great joy to all people. And Christmas is a time of joy for all people. And this is one thing that really stood out to me overseas. Growing up, I feel like Maybe Christmas in Australian culture, it is very much a family time. It is very much kind of everything slows down and, and shuts down. 
But can I encourage you, Christmas is actually the time where people are probably the most open to the good news almost all year round. It's an incredible opportunity. So do the family thing, but let's have our eyes faced outwards, recognizing that this is good news that will bring great joy to all people. So I want to have a look at John 1. In some ways, maybe this is the fine print of Jesus's arrival. I want to get to the bottom of, is this good news or is it not? And let's have a look at some of the reasons that this is really good news. Are you ready? It's really good news because it means that there's hope in the darkness. John 1, 4 to 5 says this, In him was life, and that life was like the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. In a dark world, There is hope in Jesus. The darker the world gets, the brighter and the better the good news gets. No matter how dark your life might seem, there is hope and his name is Jesus. That's really good news, right? There's been this kind of argument that the darkness of the world is an argument, it's like an argument against God. Like God can't be real because the world is really dark. But actually, the darkness of the world is an argument for the need of a savior. The darkness testifies to the need of light. And the light that we have is the hope in Jesus on a universal scale, but also on a personal scale. When life seems dark, if if depression or anxiety or fear are creeping in, we have hope in the name of Jesus. That's really good news, right? Turn the person beside you and say, that's really good news. It's really good news because the good news about Jesus means that there's grace upon grace. John 1, 16 to 17 says, out of his fullness, we have received grace in place of grace already given. Isn't that a beautiful picture? You've got grace and guess what? there's more grace. If you've got grace, there's more grace. I kind of was thinking about it and I was like, it's like when you get something with cheese on it and then they put cheese on it. Isn't that just the best thing ever? It's like, there's already cheese on my pizza, but I'll take more cheese on my pizza. Who's ever been to like a DIY pizza restaurant and you just like, if you're like me, you just heap the cheese on. It's like, can I have more cheese? And this is like, obviously grace is a lot better than cheese, okay, just FYI. But I think that, isn't it a beautiful picture? There is grace upon grace for our lives. The Bible says his mercies are new every morning. But there's actually a slight difference between God's mercy and God's grace. God's mercy is you don't get what you do deserve. God's grace is you get what you don't deserve. You get his unmerited favor. In his mercy, God does not give us what we deserve. While in his grace, he gives to us gifts that we do not deserve. He gives us life. He gives us life to the full. Come on, there is grace upon grace. God doesn't just say you're forgiven. God says there is more. There is grace upon grace. And grace is the ultimate expression of God's love. He loves you and you can't change that. That's really good news. No matter how far you've fallen, no matter how much you've messed up, no matter how broken you feel, there is grace upon grace for you. And I think that's really good news. Turn to the person beside you and say, that's really good news. It's really good news because it means that we genuinely have a place of belonging. John 1 12 to 13 says, yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, 
he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or of a husband's will, but born of God. A right to be part of the family. A right to actually belong. You know, research would tell us that in 2023, we're more connected than ever, but we're also more lonely than ever. Research says that one in three people in Australia report moderate loneliness, where one in six report severe loneliness. Come on, it's really good news that Scripture says God puts the lonely in families, that God finds those that are lonely, that feel like there's no, that they don't have a place of belonging, and he says there is a place where you belong. There is genuine belonging in God's family. And real belonging, I think in the world, belonging looks like, hey, we like the same stuff, or we think the same stuff, or we do the same stuff, so you belong. In my mountain biking group, the better I get at mountain biking, the more I feel like I belong in my mountain biking group. But that's not how it works in the family of God. In the family of God, you belong because of who you are and because of, God, of who God created you to be. You don't need a mask. You have a place at the table. You don't have to earn it. That is really good news. You genuinely belong because you are a child of God. I think that's really good news. It's really good news because there's freedom in Jesus. John 1.17 says, For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Grace and truth. I think truth gets a bad rap sometimes because I think it's kind of been used like a stick to smack people with. Have you ever noticed, maybe you've seen someone using the truth and it's not a good thing. It's like, yeah, well, I'm gonna tell them how they should live their life and this is what, this is what I think about you. That's the truth. I'll tell you how you should live. The scripture says that the truth actually sets us free. It's like Jesus being, as Pastor Chris put it last, last week, our, our true north. The truth is that it's the point on the compass. It's if I wanna get free of these woods that I seem lost in, I've gotta know which direction that I can head in. Truth is the way up out of the pit. It's freedom. It's the keys to the chains that are holding you back. That is really good news that there is freedom in Jesus. Isn't it? Is that good news? I think that's really good news. In summary, the good news is there's nothing hiding in the fine print. There's nothing hiding in the fine print that you need to be concerned about. It is actually genuinely really good news to all people. Not just really good news for some people, for the ones who've got it together. It's good news for all people. John 1.18 puts it like this. No one has ever seen God. Have you ever wrestled with that thought? No people will say it to you like, like an argument against God's existence. Like, but no one's ever seen God. And it's like, yeah, the Bible actually says no one has ever seen God. Like, we, we should be pretty open about the fact that we haven't seen God. But it goes on. But the one and only Son, who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. If you're wondering what God looks like, look at Jesus. John 14 says, if you've seen me, Jesus says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Jesus came to the world so we would know exactly what God looks like. God looks like Jesus, exactly like Jesus is how Pastor Shane Willard puts it. That's really good news because that means we actually know what God looks like. 
There's no fine print. There's no hidden clauses. There's no 99 pages of terms and conditions that I'm just going to click I accept on and, and hope that it doesn't come to bite me later. The good news about Jesus is really good news. It's really good news. It's really good news. So, so what should our response to really good news be? I think our only response should be that we've got to share this good news. If this is genuinely good news, it's genuinely good news for us, we've experienced the power of this genuinely good news, our only response is that I've got to share it. Man, when I find some good news, I've, I've, I've got to share it. People need to hear it. I would hope that we've all experienced some aspect of that good news, right? I'm assuming that's why most of us are here today, because we've experienced that this is actually really good news. How much more so now should we be willing and ready and desiring to share it? So let me give us two practical things that have really helped me to feel more confident sharing my faith. Is this okay? A few things that might help. The first thing is that, that people need to journey. People need to journey. Everyone is on a journey in life. And we're all at different places on that journey. I think there can be so much pressure if we feel like we have to take people from zero to 100 in a moment. There's so much pressure if we think that each time we share our faith, I need to get that person to a point of absolute faith where we kneel down and bow our heads and we pray together. There's so much pressure if I feel like I've got to take them from zero to 100, that now as I share my faith, this is my only opportunity to do it and I hope that I get them across the line. There's so much pressure if I feel like every time or the first time I ask someone, to come along to a church event, that they're gonna come and they're gonna make a decision and then they're just gonna start coming to church every single week. That, there's a lot of pressure, right? And I wonder if you've felt the pressure. I know I have when you're inviting someone to something and it's, it's like you, you type your text message out and then you're like, uh, you delete it and then you, then you type it out again and, and then you delete it and then you type it out again and you think, oh, and then you're looking up synonyms for different words. To, <laughs> oh, maybe it sounds better if I put it like, there's so much pressure if, if we feel like it all rests on this moment. And of course, that is my prayer when I invite someone to something, that they would experience the good news in the way that I have experienced the good news. But man, the pressure comes off when I realize that everybody is on a journey. And my job is just to be part of that journey. My job is not to get them from A to B. My job is not to get them from no faith to faith. My job is to be a part of the journey. I'm not trying to change anyone. Change is God's job. I'm just part of the journey. And I really think as we journey with people, consistency is really compelling. As I, consistency, as I consistently live a life of faith, if I consistently live a life of joy, as I consistent, consistently live in a way that shows that I've got a hope that's, that's greater than what's immediately in front of me, there's actually something really compelling about that. So people need to journey. And the second thing is that, that people actually need to hear your story. People need to hear your story. It goes on in Luke 2, 16 to 18, talking about the, the shepherds. 
It says, so they hurried off and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what they've been told about the child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. When they had seen him, they were inspired to share the good news about what they had seen. Come on, some of us this morning, we have seen God do big things in our life and our response has got to be, other people need to see this. For some of us, I think maybe God did something really good a long time ago and it's, start, it's time to get a fresh revelation of God is still God, good, God is still working in my life so that I'm inspired to share what I've seen. The shepherds just shared what they'd seen, right? They, the shepherds didn't start with, well, this is Jesus' opinion on Roman occupation. I think we've all got to know this is where Jesus stands on. But, but stop talking for Jesus. What have you seen Jesus do in your life? What part of the good news have you experienced in your life? What have you experienced? Share that. I used to be so afraid of someone asking me something that I didn't know how to answer. And it can be a paralyzing fear, like, like what if they ask me this? What if they ask me that? Or what, what if they ask me something that, that I haven't thought about? Uh, you know what I've learned? This is a massive revelation. I don't know everything. It's, it's shocking. I swear when I was 18, I thought I had it all figured out. And next week, I'll be 30, and I still really don't. I'm, I'm realizing, actually, that I have less worked out than I thought I had worked out. Is anyone else in the same boat as me? It's like the more the years go by, the more I realize I don't know everything. Do you know what the good news is? Is that you don't have to know everything. Your job is not to know everything. Your job is to share what you've experienced God do in your life. That's what a witness is. A witness just shares what they see. A witness to a car accident doesn't have to explain how a Toyota Hilux works. A witness to a car accident just has to explain what they've seen. So what have you seen in your life. Maybe an encouragement to some people this morning is, is to get comfortable not knowing all the answers. Do you know what you should say when someone asks you something you don't know the answer to? You should say, I don't know. <laughs> That's a really good question. <laughs> I love the way that you phrased that. <laughs> it's invigorating. I might have, I have to go and think about that. But what I do know is that I've found this hope in God that just seems to stay really consistent. I don't know about that, but what I do know is there was a time that I was really sick and God healed me. That there was a time where I was really down and then I just experienced this joy like nothing I've ever experienced. Do you know how much more compelling that is than trying to remember what some apologist you watched on YouTube said when they got asked that question? It's so much more compelling to just admit, I don't actually know the answer to that, but let me go and, let, you know, I'll talk to my pastor. Or, But what I do know is this. Your job is introduction. It's Jesus' job to do the details. Your story is important. What God has done in your life really, really matters. And can I just encourage you, even if it doesn't seem as flashy as someone else's testimony, your story really matters matters. What you've experienced God do in your life really matters. So we've got good news. And it's really good news. And it's really good news. And it's really good news. So come on, let's be inspired to share the good news that we have experienced 
in Jesus. I've got a couple of questions as I wrap up. The first one is who, who are you journeying with? Who are you journeying with? If just in this moment you were to stop and to consider the people that were around you, are there people that you're intentionally journaling with? People that you're intentionally looking for opportunities to reach out to? People that you're intentionally looking for opportunities to invite to? People that maybe you're praying for? Are there people that you're journeying with that might look like a discipleship journey where you're sitting down and you're you're opening scripture in the context of a life group? It might look like that, but it's also got to look like people that were just being intentional, sowing little seeds of faith, one line at a time, not necessarily every time we see them, hey, let let me share my testimony with you. That's probably too much. Dropping little seeds of faith and praying that God would be watering, that the seed would grow. Who are you journeying with? Are there people around you? Or I wonder, have you just got, if you're honest, caught in the Christian bubble? Have you separated your faith from the rest of your life? Or is it one and the same? Who are you journeying with? Second question, what have you seen? I think this is important. It's really important to stop from time to time and to consider what you've seen God do in your life. To consider not just the testimonies of old, old, but even right now, what, what is God doing in your life? What, what aspect of the good news have you experienced? And if you've experienced it, share it. Have you experienced hope in the darkness? Share that. Have you experienced freedom? Share that. Have you experienced grace? Share that. Whatever you've experienced God do, be willing to share it. What have you seen? Final question. How are you going to be intentional about sharing the good news this Christmas? How are you going to be intentional about sharing the good news this Christmas? It could look like a whole bunch of things. It could look as simple as an invite to something like the Christmas Spectacular. It could look so simple. It could look like just being ready to sh- for the opportunity to, to kind of share what you've seen God do in your life. I-, I think it's important that we're intentional about this. I don't think it happens by accident. Can I just say from um, a church organization kind of perspective, a, a, a ch- maybe a church vision kind of perspective, our commitment this year is to present the good news in a way that's simple, that's compelling, and that highlights the gifts that Jesus brings to us. That's what this is, actually. I forgot to say at the start. This is part two of the series. Sorry, Pastor Chris. He started it last week. This is technically part two. The gifts God brings, gifts Jesus brings, good news. That, that's what our heart is for this season. It's not to just like intellectually stimulate all the people who've been in a lot of Christmases and have probably heard a lot of Christmas messages. We had this discussion and we thought, no, it's so important that we get back to the basics and in a simple and compelling way, present the gospel so that somebody who's sitting here for the first or second time can hear the good news about Jesus and experience the hope and the life and all the things that we've experienced. That, that's our vision behind Christmas this year. And can I encourage us, Let's get intentional with that as well. Let's, you can be confident knowing that if you bring a friend to something like the Christmas Spectacular or at a church over the next few weeks, that's what they're gonna hear. 
they're gonna hear the good news. They're gonna hear it in a compelling, in a simple way. How are you being intentional about sharing the good news this Christmas? Would you stand together with me just as we pray? Pastor Chris mentioned next week, uh, last week, sorry. He didn't mention next week. (laughs) That would be very prophetic of me to be like, next week, Pastor Chris is gonna. um, He's talking about like a real sense in the Holy Spirit that as a church, we're coming into a season of harvest, that, that God's about to do some really good things, that we're gonna experience and see people with their lives being transformed. Can we just pray and believe together that that's gonna be our lives as well, that there's gonna be people around us that are experiencing what we've experienced in Jesus. Why don't we just close close our eyes? Jesus, I just pray this Christmas that you would give us a fresh boldness, a fresh confidence in your good news. God, I pray that as we invite people, God, that we'd be surprised by their response. We pray that we're gonna see whole bunch of new people, friends and family members come and experience the good news in the same way that we've experienced it. I pray that you give us boldness. I pray that you give us the words in the moment. And even right now, I pray that you'd put faces in our hearts, God, faces of friends, faces of family members, faces of people that we need to actually start to get intentional about reaching out to. In Jesus' name, amen. And just as we keep our eyes closed for one more moment, Maybe you're here today and you've, you've never made a decision to go on a journey of following Jesus intentionally. Can I just say that this good news is for you too. God wants to fill you with hope. He's got grace upon grace for you. He wants you to experience true freedom. He wants to bless you. He wants you to experience His mercy. That's for you too. It's for all people. And maybe this morning, you'd just like to make a simple decision to receive that, to acknowledge that yeah, I would like to actually intentionally go on a journey of getting to know Jesus. If that's you, I'd love to just give you an opportunity to maybe put some actions to that internal decision. If that's you, just would you just raise your hand up? I'd love to pray for you. I'm not gonna embarrass you or anything, but today you're saying, that's me. I, I wanna respond to that good news. I wanna start that journey. Would you just shoot your hand up nice and high so I can see it? I'd love to pray with you this morning. So I look across here a couple of times. Is there anyone that's you? Awesome. Well, Jesus, we thank you for your good news. We thank you that it transforms us from the inside out. We thank you for the fullness of life that we've experienced, the grace and the freedom. God, inspire us to share that with people around us this year. In Jesus' name, amen.